Welcome back to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and I am joined by one of my co-hosts, Jimmy Marion. Darian Smith is out today, but we'll be back next week. And guys, we are here to discuss a W on the road to start American Athletic Conference play as UAB takes down UTSA in the historic convo, 78-76. to But before we get started on that, this game recap episode and all game recap episodes are brought to you by Cahaba Brewing Company. And guys, if you missed it, if you didn't get to go down and taste the uh, Holiday Blonde, they are actually out of the Holiday Blonde. It was so popular, but we thank you to all of our listeners that went down there and tried that beer. Um, it was still amazing. Still probably one of my favorite beers. Uh, I ever. saw you take some home, so if any of our listeners <laughs> want to get some, I think John still might have some at your house if you haven't drank all of it. <laughs> I've got one Crowler, and that is for Darian. So Darian <laughs> wasn't able to make it in, so I got one for him. But yeah, it was it was amazing. But all of their core beers are um, really awesome, especially the IPA, the regular blonde, and the pale ale, and the lager. Like there's just so many good options at uh, in the tap room in Cahaba. So if you have not checked them out, definitely go down to uh, Cahaba Brewing Company and check out their tap room or. In a local supermarket, you can pick up a six-pack of Cahaba. But thank you again to Cahaba for uh, sponsoring the podcast for this year. And also, thank you to Brad for uh, – shout-out to Brad for making a, a video intro uh, for our podcast on YouTube. So mm-hmm. make sure that if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you like and subscribe. Ain't that right, Big Jim? subscribe <laughs> and like it's a big gym said that we need to start doing that yeah. <laughs> so definitely uh, like and subscribe and help share us with youtube uh, we hope that you like to see us um you know i know every single one of you just uh, we're, we're coming from the audio side but actually putting uh, a face to a voice helps so um but yeah jimmy at this game man 78 to 76 it wasn't always the prettiest of games but uab found a way to start off conference play in their first ever game of the AAC on the road and somehow find a way to get the dub. So what, what's your initial reaction? Yeah, where they say a win's a win's win, right? Especially when <laughs> yes. you get a road win. And uh, you and I were talking before the game, and we were talking about just how vital it was for UAB basketball to get off to a good start in the American Athletic Conference. And part of that's because when you look at the schedule and conference play, Five out of the first six games, if memory serves me right, are against opponents that are ranked 100 or worse in Ken Palm. And then you follow that up with the six next opponents, five of which are ranked inside the top 100 in the Ken Palm rankings. And so, and just for all the reasons we normally talk about is getting some momentum. Students are about to get back on campus. You want to start 1-0. You want to build that momentum because we've got a big game. All of them are big, but we have a big one, right, with Memphis coming to Bartow Arena at the end of this month. And you just want to continue to build that intrigue around UAB basketball uh, to get Bartow Arena rocking again. But yeah, whenever you can go on the road and conference and start uh, with a W is absolutely critical. Definitely. And the, the game was far from perfect. I mean, you saw missed dunks, Turnover after turnover, UAB set a season-high 20 turnovers in this game in San Antonio. Um, but, you know, give kudos to the guys for and Andy Kennedy and the staff to finding a way to, you know, get out of the convo with a dub. And, I mean, you, really two players in particular played a hell of a game. And, you know, you, you've got to look at Yaks at first 
who we talked about last week, you know, who's really finding himself and getting more comfortable the more he plays out there on the court um, and, and just getting up dang near almost uh, freaking uh, taking over his uh, career high um, with 23 points. Um, he had 24 against um, against UNC Asheville. But you, you know what's weird it, before you jump off the axes? Uh, I thought like early in the contest, there was like a few subtle moments where I thought that confidence was lacking a little bit. And there was one yeah. moment in particular where uh, in recent games, we've seen Yaks do a good job of collecting the rebound, which he's a beast at, and then taking the ball down the court. And uh, there was one moment in last night's contest in which he had tried to get the, you know, the he got the rebound and then uh, he tried to get the ball over to Eric Gaines and it was almost stolen. Um, and then, uh, interestingly enough, Eric Gaines didn't pass it back to him. I think he drew a foul and it was right before one of the media timeouts. But I looked at that little moment and I was thinking early on, I'm like, oh no, I'm seeing some hesitancy, some reservation, what's going on. And then just he erupted, right? Hitting all the threes and the confidence, um, that he, um, exhibited in that contest. That's the kind of yaks that we've seen in recent weeks. And these statistics statistics that he's putting up are unreal. Like, they're honestly unreal uh, with him getting near double-doubles in just the first half alone, right? Nearly a triple-double, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he's posting on social media. He's basically saying, like, hey, I'm going to get that triple-double. And I was thinking about that last night, man. It's like, what's more likely to happen first? Do you think that Eric Gaines is going to get that triple-double this season? Do you think that Yaks is going to get that triple-double this season? Because one of them is going to get a triple-double. Eric has had, um, obviously, he's got points and assists, but he can rack up those steals. And then Yaks has got the same thing going on with the blocks. Which Blazers is going to get the triple-double first in the American Athletic play? Oh, that's a good question. I just I just hope that both of them end up doing it before the season's over with. Um, but you, Jimmy, you hinted at the uh, three point shooting five of six from down from from the three point line. And that's, you know, something crazy to think about that. You know, he had only what made one prior to this game. Um, was he like one for eight or something? One for nine. Uh, he was only he was twelve of thirty one in junior college this past season. So he hit twelve mm-hmm. all of last year in JUCO, and he started off this year one of nine. And to go five of six is unreal. Yeah, and all five of those three point shots came at pivotal points in this game um, because we know, you know, we didn't get to preview this game with UTSA, but we know they make the the most three point shots yeah. uh, in the in the league in the AAC. Yeah. So we knew that we're going to have to score some three, get some threes uh, to uh, catch up to UTSA. And UAB did that uh, going 11 of 20 as a team uh, from the three-point line. That's 55%. Um, Think about that, John, is like on the note of Yak shooting threes is how much that opens things up offensively, mm -hmm. right? So we've talked about how teams defensively are really closing in in the paint, right? And we're seeing difficulty not just scoring in the paint, but getting the ball inside. You know, there's just so many bodies. And uh, we've had some players that, uh, whether it be like a Daniel Ortiz or Eric Gaines at times or Butta, who's shooting at a high efficiency from three, um, who have opened things up. Tony Tony's had a couple of games in which he's hit multiple threes, which has been good. But for Yaks to be able to do that from the post position, I think is going to be very important. And not to get too far ahead, but there are some teams that we're going to play one of which was on tv before us last night uh in fau that plays four guards you know they have their one big 
And I'm just thinking about that potential matchup. And that guy on FAU, who I'm sure we'll preview and talk about, is is unreal and how important he is to FAU. But just the ability to kind of pull him out some, you know what I'm saying, defensively, and Yaks to be able to hit threes, um, you know, when he is guarding Yaks, I think is going to be big. Um, so just on that point, it's going to be huge if UAB is to have a successful American Athletic Conference season for Yaks to be able to extend the floor. Yes, I agree 100%, Jimmy. And you look at kind of like, you know, a Butta Johnson's performance mm-hmm. this game with the mid-range clutch after shot, clutch, shot, mm-hmm. clutch, shot. Um, yeah, with the Yaks being a three-point threat, like teams are going to have to stretch out to defend him, and that allows for that middle lane to kind of become more open. And that's exactly what we saw last night in San Antonio with Butta, whether it's Butta, whether it's Ortiz, um, you know, the, the guys are starting to uh, make shots and make shots at uh, pivotal moments in the ball ballgame. Um, Eric's performance, um, he, he kind of had an off night. You know, the the, the missed dunk was kind of the, the highlight of, you know, like, I, I don't know what happened there. I, he he might have been just trying to do too much. Um, you know, if, if you're Andy, but you saw Andy's reaction right after he missed it. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're going to need Eric to play. And, and, you know, and we give kudos to Eric outside of this game. You know, I thought, or we all three have talked about like how he has stepped up and you see that uh, assist to turnover ratio was um, going well. Um, but yeah, last night, six assists to uh, three turnovers. Um, and, and uh, I mean, basically a missed dunk is a turnover if you ask me. Um, yeah. So we're we're gonna need Eric um, to um, kind of get back to where he was um, before the San Antonio trip. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad that we're talking about Eric because he certainly has some good moments. And last night was not his best game, um, but he has been playing really well as of late. Um, he's been playing the kind of basketball that you know. I'll start with me and speak for myself that we talked about early in the season that we wanted to see Eric be a facilitator because we know he can. Uh, there were moments, was it Christian Coleman? I think that he had a really nice dump off pass in the post late in last night's contest that made yes. an easy basket for Christian Coleman. So it's that for, for those of us that have been watching UAB for a while, we're just accustomed to having that guard that's making things easier for others. Um, and he has shown the ability to do that at times, pick and roll situations with JD, whether it be early this year or last year. Um, and we want to continue to see more of that. And statistically, um, you know, we're still, what is it, 15 games, you know, roughly into this year. Uh, so we have a, a relatively decent sample size. And uh, when you look at EG versus a shot maker and shot taker versus a shot facilitator, um, some statistics that I've been tracking is just when you look at Eric Gaines, when he attempts, attempts, not makes, when he attempts less than 10 field goals in a game, UAB is undefeated this season. Now, conversely, when he attempts more than 10 shots, we're 500 at five and five. So that's one thing I've been tracking. And also you talked about that assist to turnover ratio, uh, over this last five game winning streak, EG has totaled 40 assists in 12 turnovers. That's not too shabby at all. That's really good. So that's averaging eight assists and just under two and a half turnovers a game. In the nine games prior, EG, so again, uh, four additional contests, so nine games total, he had 32 assists and 26 turnovers, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about instead of averaging eight assists and two and a half turnovers, you're talking about averaging three and a half assists and 2.9 turnovers per game. So 
in my opinion, one of the key takeaways, and it won't be a shock to our audience, is that EG is extremely talented, extremely athletic. Um, he can shoot the ball. He showed that uh, last year um, at UAB. Uh, but in my opinion, UAB is more successful when EG is facilitating the ball, getting others involved, and uh, when he's you know, obviously lowering those turnovers, duh. Uh, but when he's doing those things, UAB has statistically produced at a higher level. So. Yeah, that great points um, and, and great stats to back that up, Jimmy. I, I, you also look at a guy like JV and Davis. You know, when mm-hmm. when JD like it really has been like when when JD struggles and Eric struggles, like most of the time this team just just can't get over the hump. But it, it was a good sign to uh, last night in San Antonio to have some other guys like Yaks, you know, continue to step up or have Bud uh, step up. Um, and, and you look at two, the free throw uh, shooting is still good. You know, they, they, they weren't perfect, but they were 15 yeah. of 18 from the line for 83%, which is really good. Yeah. Um, because, you know, this team really does rely on getting to the free throw line. Um, shooting. If you look back at the UNC Asheville, you know, they don't win that game um, without yeah. almost perfect free throw shooting. So um, that that's something going to be, uh, we're going to have to monitor too going forward. Even, even this Sunday, uh, as South Florida comes into Bartow, um, can they keep up the hot free throw shooting? Um, and, it's just something to monitor. Now, what what is I know UTSA had a seven footer. We know FAU's got a seven footer down low. Um, you know, we just talked about them. But when you get doubled up points in the paint, thirty two to sixteen, mm-hmm. I mean that that is a cause of concern. Um, I mean, it's we're grateful that the outside shooting was so well last night. You know, shooting over fifty percent and the mid range was so good, but. I mean, if you can't get it down low um, to whether it's JD, Yaks, whoever, then this team's going to have some problems. I'm especially looking against, you know, FAU uh, in the next week. Yeah, that was arguably UAB's worst performance in the paint on the offensive end all season long. 16 points, you said it already was a season low for the Blazers. And uh, that's roughly half of of what UAB is getting points in the paint uh, per game this season. And obviously, you mentioned that UTSA, to make matters worse, doubled UAB up in this performance. So that was certainly bad. I thought on the defensive glass, UAB um, had a solid outing. Uh, 32 defensive rebounds. They were plus 10 in that category and plus 14 in total rebounds, uh, which was a season high when you look at that differential. So I thought UAB on the defensive glass was good. You even look at a guy like uh, JV and Davis. I'm going off memory here, John, but I think JV and Davis had eight rebounds if memory serves me right, um, and he didn't play, what, 17 minutes, 20 minutes maybe? So, 19, yeah. Yeah, so he played 19 minutes, and so you know he didn't have a full outing. He was dealing with foul trouble, but we've talked about, I've talked about in some prior um, episodes that I was hoping to see JV and Davis be more aggressive on the defensive glass, and I think he did that. I know he did that um, against UTSA, so that was good. Um, but, yeah, to your point, the 11 made threes um, – basically more than double what UAB averages in a game was able to offset not just uh, points in the paint, but the turnovers that you mentioned earlier. And it was difficult for me to watch last night just how challenging it is for us to get the ball down low to JV and Davis. Like, it's one thing we've talked about is how JV and Davis has had to get accustomed to getting double teamed. I mean – that's 
difficult. He hasn't really had to deal with that in his entire Division One career, and he's seen so many double teams this year. Because what we did in the Bradley game right off the bat was we ran our offense through him. And then teams mm-hmm. looked at that and they said, okay, we're going to stop that and you're going to have to do something else. And at times we've struggled with whatever something else is um, in terms of a scoring output. But, you know, when J.D. is involved, when J.D. takes, at least we talked about Eric Gaines in the 10 uh, plus or minus shot attempts earlier, when J.D. attempts at least five shots, UAB is 8-2 and two this year. And when UAB, or excuse me, when J.D. makes at least three shots, three field goals, it didn't seem that difficult, right? When he makes at least no. three field goals, um, UAB is 6-1 and one this year. So what does that mean is, like, I understand the emphasis of us wanting to get the ball through J.D., and we should. Statistically, we should. And because he um, is a very good, A.K. talks about him at angles and how he's able to position himself, and he's an excellent offensive rebounder this year. So I think I heard in the broadcast, potentially, I may be misremembering it, but I thought they had said that J.V. and Davis was – the best offensive rebounder statistically uh, in conference right now. Um, so anyways, JD is going to be extremely important. Um, and ultimately to your point last night, even AK said it was an anomaly for UAB statistically. Um, and, and for some of those reasons, we were able to still come out of this game with a win. Yeah. And Jimmy, even, you know, getting the ball down to JD and also just playing defense and rebounding on defense, all of that involves communicating. So mm-hmm. if, if, if Andy's listening, he's, he's agreeing like this team still just struggles communicating with each other. There were a couple instances, uh, last night in the convo that, I mean, multiple guys, same team, UAB going for a rebound and it going out of bounds. Or yeah, Ortiz. Just, yeah. Yeah. I remember that, that one. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another one uh, that they got the ball. Oh, there UTSA had just scored, and then it was early on in the game, and they got the ball in bounds, but they weren't communicating. And the guy, the UTSA defender, just slapped it out of his hand, and it went out of bounds off of a UAB. Yeah, uh, guy. It, it's just times like these, like our moments like that. Like if you just have, if you have to, if you find a way to have effective communication on the court. You avoid instances like those. Those mm-hmm. weren't um, forced turnovers. Um, a lot of the times they were just unforced, careless with the basketball, not communicating. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I say all that to say we're 14 games into the season, um, you know, still have a whole conference play to go and then the conference tournament in March. So there's time for this team to figure it out. But they they need to start working on communication. And Andy knows that um, Coach Cross knows that um, I just. I hope it comes. I hope the light bulb uh, clicks at some point um, before March for this team. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't want to not mention was when you started getting those text messages from me last night during <laughs> the game. How many texts did you get in a row that just said another one? Another, another one. one another one. There was a moment there with the turnovers like late in the game where it was like, what is going on? I had wrote down in my end game notes um Ortiz had hit a three to put UAB up by four. So it was 68 to 64. And uh, on the next defensive possession, there was a rotation issue. And Tony Tony was going out to the three-point line in the corner and just landed injured. He injured the UTSA player and gave him three free throws. He only hit two. But then EG's coming up the court and gets stripped at half court. UTSA gets a layup. Ortiz misses a jumper, and then JD picks up his fifth foul, like 20 feet away from the basket, reaching Ivy Curry, who 
is really good, who came yeah, off the bench is. for them. And, like, he's the guy that left and then came back to UTSA. And then we went to the under-four-minute timeout, 68-68. And I was very nervous. I don't know if that's when uh, the timing of when Butta hit his shot that started the 8-0 or the 10-0 run, whatever it was. Uh, it was the and one opportunity, right? So that's when he came around and he got fouled. And I thought that was like an ND- NBA continuation call that they gave him. And I was like, hey, I'll we'll take, it. take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll take that. Um, and then, Butta, you mentioned him earlier, like just, I mean, was it 8-0 run or 10-0 run? I saw someone say 10-0 run. 10-0, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about Butta in numerous contests just his ability to hit shots in late game situations. He's another guy. Um, I was I was talking to Natalie this morning because she didn't see the end of the game, and so I showed it to her. And uh, it's really cool how efficient um, Butta is shooting the ball. Like you, you think about our struggles, he's still shooting around 40, 40 plus percent from three this year. Um, and really, I think that some of his shooting percentages are down because there were a few games in which just nobody could hit anything and it was like late in the game and he was tossing up like contested like three pointers at the end of the contest or whatever obviously he's dealt with an injury or two that was a little bit nagging there in the middle but the skill set that he has for them to call his number and for the other team to know that they're calling number 24 again and again and again and they're going to put the ball in his hands and he's going to convert over and over and over again um, is, is just really fun to watch. And I had to remind myself, he's in his second year at UAB. Like, you you would think this guy's been here like three years and there was a COVID year and he has all this experience. Like, he's halfway through his second year. And I'm just, like, super pleased with him, obviously. We talk about it all the time, being from the state of Alabama, um, you know, pride, you know, in UAB. Um, and, you know, there has been, you know, we were even talking about last night, like defensively, like kind of some eyes on, you know, Butta, like is he still dealing with injury, this or that? But who cares uh, when you're going to hit shots like that offensively? Like who cares? Like just give 24 the ball, and uh, hopefully he's able to build upon that as UAB tries to keep this momentum going forward. Definitely. And, and I was going to say, just to kind of wrap up, like I can't even blame the 20 turnovers and the, the kind of the indecisiveness or, or a lack of communication on the court at times. Um, because I didn't need to tell you this, but I had to brew a cup of coffee uh, for the eight o'clock tip. Yeah. And then <laughs> towards the end of the game or, or midway through the second half, I was like, crap, I'm not tired. So I had to pop some melatonin to get me tired, <laughs> you know? So it's like, do I want to stay up? Do I want to go to bed? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I say all that to say, hey, the, the guys will figure it out. Um, you know, like Jimmy said, we're not even 15 games into the season. Um, it ebbs and flows. And, hell, UAB's on a freaking five-game winning streak um, heading into Bartow this Sunday. And, and a, a decent South Florida team. You know, this isn't a uh, sub-200. In fact, I think they were – let me refresh Ken Palm. I think they're above UAB and Ken Palm right now. Yeah, while John's looking at that, South Florida hired the coach that was at Kennesaw State, and then the assistant from Alabama replaced him at Kennesaw State. And he took at least one player, I believe his name's Chris Youngblood. He may have taken more than one player from Kennesaw State with him to South Florida. And for those of you, I was in Daytona Beach last year. Um, you know, South Florida was in that, you know, November multi team event uh, then. They're a different team and a different roster than they were then. Um, but to John's point, UTSA from a ratings perspective, is 
got to be the lowest ranked team that we're going to play in the rest of the American. Every team that we face from this point forward is going to be ranked higher. USF is not one of the higher ranked teams, but they're no pushover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking at the Ken Palm, yeah, South Florida is 144, and UAB's back at 168. So uh, ranked higher on Ken Palm. Um, so they're not going to be a slouch. Um, so we need everybody to come down to Bartow 2 p.m. this Sunday afternoon. I hope that religious organization uh, shows up and goes to the student section to help cheer on the team uh, because UAB is going to need it uh, yeah. this Sunday and hopefully go to 2-0 and in conference play before that big uh, trip to Boca uh, the next weekend. Um, First guys- home game in the American Athletic Conference. Like It doesn't matter who we're playing at this point. Luckily, we're not playing Memphis quite yet. We still got a little <laughs> bit of time to kind of get ready for that game. But, yes. yeah, just bring somebody with you. I know it's Sunday. Heck, we went to 8 o'clock service last week. I was home by, like, 930. Like, I'll be juiced, ready to go. Uh, so, hopefully, bring yourself, bring the fam, you know, do what you got to do to get there. Um, you know, regardless of how the season has gone thus far, five-game winning streak, John said it, first game, an opportunity to go 2-0 and in the American Athletic Conference. We hope to definitely see everybody there. Definitely. And uh, Patreon supporters, uh, you probably saw in your feed today, uh, we did have a, a really good over 40-minute discussion about the uh, quarterback Jalen Kitna um, committing to UAB and, you know, just the overall really good discussion with uh, me, Jimmy, and Darian. So if you are not a subscriber, go to patreon.com slash blazerpod and uh check it out and become a member but jimmy go ahead and send us out hey see y'all on sunday blazer nation just blaze